right, good morning, everybody. Welcome once again on this beautiful Sunday morning, fall morning in Houston, Texas. I want to welcome you to the Digital Cathedral from wherever you live around the world. It's good to have you part of this digital family. This morning, we're going to be starting a brand new series, and I'm calling the series simply Unlimited. Unlimited. We're going to look at a lot of areas and a lot of uh, scripture and a lot of references and background to this word unlimited. I think if there's any word that probably describes the Father that you and I serve and we've come to discover, it's the word unlimited. His family's unlimited, he's unlimited, his kingdom is unlimited. And maybe I should define what I mean by unlimited. What I mean by unlimited, it, I mean simply there's no restrictions. It's infinite, it's beyond any boundary. There's uh, when it's unlimited, there's no exceptions. There's no conditions. There's three words that uh, are theological words that we use to describe the unlimited God. Uh, the first word is omniscient. You've probably heard these words before. Omniscient means that he's all-knowing. Omnipotent means he's all-powerful. And omnipresent means he's all places at all times. You cannot be outside of his presence. So he is the, the one and only uh, the only one source that there is, and this one source is totally unlimited. And I, 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 wanna, I want you to get a vision this morning with me. I want you to get a vision of a father and his family who are walking the earth, the father through the family walking the earth, that are totally unlimited, have no restriction, no boundary, no exception, able to do all things. That's what we're going to be uh, looking at over the next few weeks. Now, I'm going to do this series a little bit different than I've done any series, I guess, in my whole life. Uh, usually when I start a series, I start at number one and I just go all the way through to whatever number ends the series. I want to do a little bit different this time because I, I found in the past that when I start a series, there are a lot of times in studying or just by understanding or revelation, I see things that I want to come and share with you at the Digital Cathedral, and I feel hemmed in because I'm in a series. So I try to stick to the series. But this time I'm not going to do that. If I, if I see some things that I, I feel like I need to bring to you that are, are going to aid you in your, in your development, in being conformed to the image of Christ, understanding your, your authentic identity, if I, could, if I hit some things that I feel are important, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scatter those in, it's kinda like salt and pepper, into this series Unlimited. So if, if you watch some week and I don't do a, um, you know, a part of the Unlimited series, it's not that I've, I've done with the series or I'm over with it, it's just that I have felt the priority at that particular Sunday to come share something else with you. Is that okay if I share with you the freshest bread that I get? I mean, I, I, every Sunday I come, I like to feel I'm serving you something that's hot out of the oven. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Unlimited. And I want to do it from the, the, uh, the perspective this morning that you and I are actually living in two dimensions. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But I want to talk about this unlimited dimension that you and I have access to through a Father who is unlimited. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 says that my God shall meet all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If you were to ask 100 Christians, everybody knows that verse. If, you, if you've been in church any length of time, you know Philippians 4.19. Most people quote it like this. And my God shall meet all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. They quote the, the needs in a, in a, plural, in a plural tense but it's actually in a singular tense. My God shall meet all of your need. The only need that you and I have, the only need that you and I have is the ability to plug into that one source that is unlimited. We serve an unlimited God. Our Father has expressed his desire to be unlimited toward us. So we don't have needs. What we have is one need, and that is to get plugged into this source that is unlimited. When I, when I was thinking this week about what I wanted to call the series, I knew what I wanted to do in concept and I knew what I wanted to bring out, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to title it. But honestly, I couldn't come up with a better word that I think describes the Father than unlimited. He doesn't do anything halfway. 
when, when our Father does something, He does it to its fullness. He does it to its maximum. He does it all the way to the end. He never leaves anything unfinished. For example, He didn't come, He didn't send Jesus to come to just seek the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's a complete job. The Father wasn't in Christ reconciling some of humanity or some of creation. The scripture says that he was in Christ reconciling the entire cosmos. Everything that is in the world, everything that has ever been created has been reconciled fully back to the Father. And I just, I just say that to emphasize the point that we don't serve a God that does things in a half-hearted fashion. Everything that he starts, he sees to full completion. He leaves nothing up to chance. He's omniscient, right? That means he's all-knowing. He's unlimited in his power, his resources, his ability to create, his ability to make it happen, his love, his mercy, his reconciliation, his goodness, his freedom. I mean, the list could just go on and on and on of what, he, what he's totally unlimited with. Everything he puts his hand to has the touch of being unlimited. Uh, I think the Father loves the world. I think he loves all of it. His, his love is so big, it's unlimited that it stretches to everyone. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 17 shows his unlimitedness. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world through him might be saved. Now, evangelicals will take that verse and say, right there's the escape clause, that it might be saved. If you do just a little bit of research, and you don't have to be a real scripture mechanic to discover this, if you just have a concordance and you, and you, and, and you run that word down, might, it, might is a bad interpretation. It's one of those, it's one of those verses that the, the theology of the translator bled through and what he wanted it to say. Actually, the verse should, should read something like this. And the New Living Translation gets it well. He sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world, very simply. Uh, if you want to put the word may in there, that's, that's much better than might. He, he sent his son into the world, not to condemn it, so that the world may be saved. And it will be saved. It may be. It not might. There's no chance to it because he's not a God of halfway. He's not a God that leaves anything up to chance. He doesn't leave it up to your free will, right? He doesn't, he, he's not looking for you to be perfect in your choices and decisions. He, he put all of that into the formula. That's why he's unlimited. He knew exactly how to, how to, how to put the mix together that no one would be left out. That's, that's the kind of father that we serve. So unlimited is a great word for him. The father is unlimited toward us because he places no qualifications on us to come in relationship with him, to be in relationship with him. And you know, right there was a word of religion that kind of bled through that I was unconscious of. I just, it just popped out that we can come into relationship with him. You're already in relationship with him. You don't come into relationship with him. You recognize and realize and awaken to the relationship that you've always had with him. Do you see how those little nuances we need to continue to renew our mind and flush our mind out of some of those things so that we can come into No, you don't come into relationship. You're already in relationship with him. That's why he calls himself the I am. The I am is anything that you need. If you need healing, he's I am the healer. I am the deliverer. I am the supplier. Everything, everything that man, that all of creation could ever desire or need or have want of, he is the I am. Now, here's the thing. And throughout this, this series, what I want to do is I want to, I, want to, I want to magnify him. Let us magnify the Lord together. But in every session that we come into, I'm going to bring you into the magnification. Because that's the Father's plan. That's the Father's plan. You are made in his image. And you are developing daily into his likeness. You are more in his likeness today. If you've been with me at the Digital Cathedral any length of time, uh, if there's some good teachers that you can follow, uh, you know, they're, they're not many, but there are some good ones that will teach you about your I amness. You're in his image, developing in his likeness. That's the way he created you. And so whatever he is, you are. 
Now you, on a scale of one to 10, you might be still a one. You may be progressing, you're a three or four, you're, you're grabbing a whole lot of this. Now, I wanna say something as might just, as my friend Darren Begley would, would, would always say, this may rock your world, but I wanna, I wanna tell you something this morning, and some of you may check out on this, and this is gonna go over some of your heads, but because he is the I am and you're a chip off the old block, I want you to understand this morning, this may rock your world, that when you pray, God is not in the business of answering your prayers by giving you what you ask. We've all spent years and years and years pounding heaven with our requests. He's not in the business of giving you what you ask for. What he's in the business of is opening your eyes to what you already possess. You am, you are the I am. All that you need is within you. He dwells within you. The great I am dwells within you. It's now us learning how to walk in the I amness that we possess because of the one who dwells within us. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you four scriptures real quick. I'm not gonna make much comment on them. I don't think I have to because I think they're pretty self-explanatory. I, wa I wanna read two scriptures that show you how unlimited he is and then I'm going to show you two scriptures that tie you to the same unlimitedness that he has. All right, let, let me start with two with him. Luke chapter 1 and verse 37. Luke chapter 1 and verse 37. It's going to take me a minute to get over there. I'm still working on my new Bible. And Luke 1 and verse 37. It's a long chapter. I think about 80 verses in this chapter. Luke chapter 1 and verse 37 says this, For nothing will be impossible with God. I don't see, I mean, there's no way to misinterpret that verse. These, any of these four verses, there's really no way to misinterpret it. It's very, very obvious and very plain. Nothing will be impossible with God. Where does that God live? He lives in you. Nothing will be impossible with God. Let me give you one more. Luke chapter 18 Luke chapter 18 and verse 27. Luke chapter 18 and verse 27 says this. He said, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. So even if, even if people don't recognize what they possess, it doesn't, it doesn't cut his effectiveness out in being able to do all things. With people, it might be impossible. But all things are possible with God. The things that are impossible with people are possible with God. All right, now that's too about the Father that shows there's nothing outside the dimension of possibility for him. Now let me bring you into the picture, which is what I want to do throughout this series. I when I'm done with this series, I hope we're walking on a higher level of consciousness. I hope we're walking on a, on a higher dimension. That's, that's what I'm shooting for. And the only way I know to do that is to draw in your consciousness a very vivid picture of the Father and His unlimitedness and then bring you slowly, as quickly as you can, but slowly into that very same picture. All right, watch this. Philippians chapter 4. This is post-resurrection. Those two scriptures that we read were pre-resurrection, -pre so Jesus was, was speaking. But now we're going to find out a couple of things that Paul says. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Let me get right over there and let's see if we can kind of tie you into the same thing that we just read about the Father. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. You know, a lot of these verses are very familiar with us, but we have never taken the boundaries off of them in the light of our identity and in, in, in what we've discovered we have and who we are. We've never taken taken the boundaries off of these. We've just read them and said, oh yeah, that's good. I, 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 I like that. But in this series, we're going to actually make them reality for you. Philippians chapter verse 4 and verse 13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So the one who strengthens you that we just read, with whom all things are possible, he now pulls you into it and says, you can do all things through the strength that he feeds into you. One more, Mark chapter 9. And this is Jesus planting some real vision into the, into the life of those even, even pre-cross. Mark chapter 9. There's chapter 8, chapter 9, and verse 20, 
three. There we go. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, I want to say more about, about that whole concept of believing in just a minute. But I just wanted to draw it out here. Jesus said, everything is possible to you who believe. Then we read where Paul said that we can do all things through the one who gives us the strength to do all things. So in both of these, he's, he's tying the believing and he's tying the strength of the one who is already unlimited. And, and, and we're probably much more aware of him being unlimited than, than we, we being unlimited. But that, that line of, of distinction, that line of separation needs to be erased. Needs to be erased big time. And that's what we're going to try to do. The, un the unlimited of the Father was demonstrated in the Son and ha has been imparted to you by the Spirit. Now let me say that again because you, you got to catch this. The unlimited of the Father was demonstrated in the Son. Jesus came to demonstrate for us what the unlimitedness of the Father looks like in every son that is reproduced in the image of Jesus. Jesus says the firstborn, we're, we're in his image, in his likeness. He demonstrated for us the unlimitedness that the Father designed for every son to walk in. So what grace has done, grace has opened up our eyes to a Father who is unlimited, and grace now has brought that unlimited consciousness into our life through the inheritance that has been given to us. What belongs to you? Gentiles have an inheritance. I, I'm not, I'm not going to get into it this morning, but there's, there is a covenant that the Jews had, old covenant, and he said, I'm making a new covenant with the, with the Jews, and I'm not going to count their transgressions against them. But he talks to us Gentiles, and he talks to us about our inheritance. We have an inheritance. And I, want, I want to look in just a minute about how big that inheritance is. But in, in Mark chapter 9, in verse 23, he just said, all things are possible to him who believes. We have made believing a work, a heavy work. Uh, I tell you what, I used, to, I used to rupture my believer trying to take on the weight of everything to make it happen, to believe, to make myself believe. And I thought if something wouldn't happen, it's because I wouldn't, my believer was broken. And I, I tell you what, I tried to strengthen my believer. I did, I bench pressed my believer. I curled my believer. I did lat pull downs with my believer. I did everything I know to do. I'm using a metaphor there to build my believer up. <clears throat> and I could never, I could never on my own make my believer strong enough. Finally, the father broke through to me one day and he told me, he said, believing, and I've shared this with, with you before in the digital cathedral, he said that believing is nothing but an effortless response to revelation. If you don't see it, you can't believe it. Now you can, you can confess over and over, I believe and I have and I possess, but if you don't see with spirit eyes, if it hasn't been shown to you, I don't care how hard you try, you can't believe. That's why, that's why it never worked uh, Back in the days we tried to get everybody to pray the prayer and believe, we'd say, you need to believe in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? Because you don't want to go to hell. Of course they would say they believed in Jesus. They didn't believe diddly squat because it hadn't been revealed to them yet. Yet they said they believed. We made them lie. We made them hypocrites. Believing is an effortless response to revelation. When the Father opens your eyes and you see, you will believe. Believing isn't the issue. Seeing is the issue. Seeing is believing in the Spirit. Are, are you still with me? Let me Jesus, Jesus told his, his uh, disciples the importance of believing. Let's read over here in Matthew chapter 13. I sure hope you have your Bible. You've, you've been with me, doggone it, long enough now that you, I shouldn't have to tell you to get your Bible every Sunday. You ought to know that when we come to the digital cathedral on Sunday morning, we're going we're gonna to read our Bibles, and we know how to rightly divide the Word. If you, never, if you never looked at that little series I, I did, I think it's five or six parts on Unhook the Book, I would encourage you to go over to uh, YouTube and look at that series. It's a, it's a good one, and it'll teach you how to rightly divide the word. Here's what Jesus said about the importance of seeing and your eyes. Matthew chapter 13, verse 15. Let me start with verse 15. 
Jesus said, for the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would be Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. Verse 17, for truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and they did not hear what you hear. Do you see the importance of, of the timing of God in revelation, of showing, of seeing? He said, even the prophets wanted to see what you see, and they didn't see it. He said, but you're now seeing it, which, which should have enabled the disciples to believe way beyond what the prophets believed. You and I should be seeing more today than the apostle Paul saw. Now, that, that, that's, that's going to shake some of you. You and I should be seeing more than the Apostle Paul saw. And when we see more than he saw, then we should be able to believe for more than he believed. You believe and receive when you see. And what you see, now here's, this is the beautiful part. What you see is what you already have. You didn't think you had it because you couldn't see it. Everything you see, you already possess. So believing is simply the response to the revelation that what you need, you already have, which comes from an unlimited supply. So you, you have tapped into that unlimited dimension already. See, you can't receive by faith. You can't believe for anything that grace has not already given. Grace has already given to you everything that pertains, Peter said, to life and godliness. There's nothing that falls outside the bounds of life and godliness, and you already have possession of it. It's a matter of you seeing it, and when you, when you see it, and all of a sudden you think you got to, no, when you see it, you will believe it. And, and what you're going to see is, I had it the whole time. I didn't think I had it the whole time because I didn't see it. Blessed are your eyes, for they see the more you see, the more you respond and believe. That's just the way it is. The clearer that the picture of your authentic identity emerges, the more you see how you were created in the image of God and you have developed far beyond where you were a year ago or even six months ago in the likeness of God, the clearer you're going to see. And the clearer you see, the more you're going to be able to believe. Let me, walk, let me kind of walk the progression with you in Ephesians chapter 1. One of the blessings that came out of the study that we did for nine months when we did Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians this year was that when we, now when we pull on these passages of Scripture from those four main books that Paul wrote, I know that you have some familiarity with it and you have some background and understanding of what Paul was saying because of the study we made. So, Here's a passage of scripture, and I remember well when we talked about it. Let me see if I can dig it a little bit deeper with you. So let's talk, we're talking about tapping in now to the unlimited that you've always had, helping you to see so you can believe. Here's how Paul put it. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of, revel of wisdom and revelation the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. You can have a lot of knowledge and no wisdom if you don't know how to apply it. So he said, I'm going to pray that the Father in that 17th verse would give you wisdom and revelation. And he said, here's how you get it. You get it in the knowledge of him. The more you know him, the more revelation you get, the more knowledge you have. It, this starts the process. The knowledge of him unleashes wisdom and revelation. And remember I told you when you see it, when you get revelation, you, you see it, you believe it. Now, the, the, the knowledge he's talking about here is, is not a head knowledge necessarily. It's an experiential, intimate, firsthand working knowledge. It, it's this inner knowing. Let me, let, me put a, let me put it a little more easily for you to understand. It's the knowledge 
that comes from walking with him in the cool of the evening. The greatest knowledge that you can ever get of the Father is when you just sit and think about him. And the easiest way to do it is, I think, come to, to John 14, 20. In that day, you'll know that I'm in the Father and you're in me and I'm in you. Think about your oneness. Meditate about your oneness with the Father. That's going to open up dimensions to you like you, you, you could never believe. Med just meditate on your oneness. What does that mean to be one with him? What does it mean that the day you, you're going to know that Jesus is in the Father and Jesus is in you and you're in him and he's in the Father and you're in the Father and the three of you are all in union together. Meditate on that. I will, I will, I will flat guarantee you that your eyes will open to things that you never saw before. And you're going to believe for things you never believed before that you've always had, but didn't know because your eyes weren't open. So the first part of the process, he says, is to get this spirit of wisdom and revelation. And it comes through this intimate walking in the cool of the evening knowledge of him. Now let's go on to verse 18. Now here's what, what's going to begin to transpire. Verse 18, he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Okay, That's just what he's, verse 17 and 18 tie together so well, the knowledge is going to enlighten the eyes of your heart or your spirit eyes, your eyes that are inside, so that you'll know two things. You'll know the hope of his calling. And second of all, you'll know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So as your eyes open, as you're enlightened, the hope of his calling and the magnitude of this inheritance that comes from an unlimited God to you that makes you unlimited because you have the resources to draw on you. My God will meet all your need according to his riches in glory. His pockets are deep. Digital Cathedral, his pockets are deep. You're never going to exhaust the pockets of the riches of his glory. You're never going to hit the end of his inheritance. So he says, I want the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your spirit to open up. They're going to open up because of revelation that comes, verse 17, in the knowledge of him. Uh, but there's more. There's more. This is where he stretches out and brings you into the unlimited. In case you haven't caught it yet, he's going to bring you, in verse 19, into this dimension of unlimited. So let's read verse 19. He's going to, he says, and you're going to find what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. He's, let me par Keithley paraphrase. He's going to show the power that belongs to us believers. All right. So he brings you into it. He said, I'm going to begin to, to reveal to you the power that belongs to you believers. Back, verse 17, the knowledge that we get from intimate relationship with him, walking with him in the cool of the evening, brings us wisdom and revelation. That wisdom and revelation opens the eyes of our heart, verse 18, and we begin to understand what the inheritance is that we really have. Then in verse 19, he says, you're going to begin to discover the power that you as a believer have. He's, he's bringing this all in succession. He's, he's just laying it down, line upon line. He's taking us down a progressive path here. And he's showing us in verse 19, the power in you that is being generated is directly connected to his power. Now, if you wonder how much that power is, he's going to tell us. So he builds, he builds another, he puts another block on the wall in verse 20 and verse 21. And it says, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, right? Not only in this age, but in the age which is to come. So he says, okay, I'm going to tell you about the power that is within you. He said, I demonstrated it when I raised Christ from the dead. Not only did I raise him from the dead, but I pulled him up and seated him right next to me. The power that you as a believer has, verse 18, was demonstrated in the resurrection of Jesus. Now, if you want to tap into that power, it comes through your inheritance, which is the preceding verse. And the inheritance is discovered as the eyes of our spirit are opened up. Verse 18. Verse 17, the eyes of our spirit opened up, 
open up as we progress in the knowledge of him, which gives us wisdom in Revelation verse 17. So he just draws this whole thing through. And what he's trying to say is, I'm showing you, I'm demonstrating for you, I'm opening your eyes to what you possess. I'm unlimited, the Father says, but I, I don't hoard it. I don't keep it to myself. I'm, I'm dispensing it. I'm freely now giving it to you. And in case you wonder how much it is, I've demonstrated it when I raised Christ from the dead and seated him at my right hand. He said, verse 18, that's the power you have as a believer. Now he ties us into it again in verse 22 and verse 23. So let me finish this off. He said he put all things in subjection under Jesus' feet and gave him to be the head over all, all things to the church. So now he pulls the church into this. And it's not a building, it's not people, it's ecclesia, it's the called out ones. You are the church. So he's pulled you into this. And he says in verse 23 that you and I are his body, the fullness of him. We are his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We are the fullness of him. How much, how much does that mean? He fills all in all. I don't know how much more explicit that he could get in verses, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, 17, verse 23, in demonstrating and laying out his unlimited power, his unlimited resources, demonstrating it in the life of Jesus when he raised him from the dead, and then he just sprinkles through there the connection that we have with it. He continually brings us, and he finally makes it crystal clear by saying, look, you're the body of Christ. There's nothing that flows through my arm that doesn't flow through my ear, right? Same blood, same DNA. He's the head of the body. The fullness, we are the fullness of him who fills all in all. So all of us together, connected together, we are in such connection. There's no separation in any of us. We're such connected and as, as his body, we demonstrate his fullness. See, my arm demonstrates my fullness. My leg demonstrates my fullness. But together, collectively, it's him who fills all in all. I mean, this is, this is powerful. Verses 17 to 23, he is unlimited, and he brings you in and says, I've given you an inheritance that you can tap in and be even as he is. In, and he explicitly says that in verse 23. So he connects us to it. Come over just one chapter. He says it just a little bit different in chapter 2, verse 5. Chapter 2, verse 5. And he says, even when we were dead in, trans in transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. This is what he's, he, he did for us. We were in the darkest dark of our life. And he says, okay, I'm going to show you the power that I'm working, that I've connected you to. He said, even when you were dead, I made you alive. And then in verse 6, he says he did the same thing for us that he did for Jesus. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. So you need to see by revelation, you need, that comes through that intimate knowledge, you need to see that verse 6 is your position. That's your position. All right? that, that's, that's where you're seated. That's where you are to identify with. You, you identify with verse 6. You have been raised up and made to sit together with him in heavenly places. That's your place of identification. Don't see yourself less than that. Don't see yourself less than that. There's a verse that Paul said, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But the flip side of the coin is, don't think less of you than you should think. Are, I mean, come on now. Are you a partaker of the divine nature? You have been with this old man long enough to know that I've hammered and hammered and hammered and told you and shown you and demonstrated for you you're a partaker of the divine nature. But some of you are still holding on to the idea, and it's been so deeply grounded in us, I understand that it's hard to get rid of. We still think we are just this mere human being. We'll never be more than just this flesh body, limited in everything we do. Every time we turn around, we are, we are stymied and limit, limited and hindered. So the question is, how do you see you? Do you see you seated in the heavenly places in Christ, walking through all that we just came through in Ephesians 1? Or do you see you just as a good old boy, just a, just a human being, just, just a person, going to never be anything more than that? Here's 
the dilemma. Here's the dilemma. We have a conflict. We live on earth. Our feet are on terra firma. I, I walk on ground just like you walk on ground. Just like Jesus, Jesus walked on the same ground we walked on. And yet at the same time, we are seated with Christ. So what you and I are living in is two dimensions. We're living in two dimensions. You're living on earth, but you're also seated with Christ. We're trying to live in two dimensions at one time. Jesus did it very successfully for 33 years. Now, slowly we're beginning to understand that that's our position also, that we can live in two dimensions at one time. In this dimension, we're surrounded and we're grounded and we've been groomed to accept limitation. Limited, we've been, we've been, since the time we were born, time we were little children, we have been, we have been uh, groomed to accept limitation. Uh, you're in a world of limitation, but you are, you are in the world of limitation, but you are not of the world of limitation. You're of two dimensions. Now, and what we're doing in this unlimited series, and I'm, I'm you know, I, I give my life to this stuff. I'm moving you as I move myself from one dimension to the other dimension. We have been delivered from the power of darkness, and we have been translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. You are of another dimension. You are of another kingdom. And the renewing of our mind and the development of our Christness the development of our Christness is helping us to, to slowly get a hold of this thing that we're not bound by this kingdom. We are in it, but we are not of it. We are conditioned to expect everything to be controlled by this time, space, linear, human knowledge, physical strength, uh, human endurance that at some point runs out. And when you reach the limit of that physical endurance, that, that physical control, then you can go no farther. Think about this. For 6,000 years, the speed that a man could travel was limited to how fast his horse could run. So if you, if you had a faster horse than me, you could travel more miles in a day than I could travel. Um, or how hard, I guess, how hard the wind would blow to, in your sails to to move your ship, that's that you were limited to that. But science has pushed those limitations and pushed those limos, limits out there way beyond anything that my grandfather or my great-grandfather ever thought. Our physical world's undergoing tremendous change. Think about it. It's not gonna be long that we're gonna be able to put a man on Mars. Who would have thought we could ever put a, a man on Mars? If you'd told me when I was a kid we could even put a man on the moon, I would have doubted it. But to put a man on Mars has stretched. It won't be long before passenger airplanes fly at the speed of sound. Right now in Houston, they're talking about putting a bullet train that will get us to Dallas, which is about 250 miles, in an hour. Whenever I drive to Dallas, I, I always figure five hours with the traffic and the stops and the towns and everything. I figure five hours to Dallas. This is gonna get us there in one hour. It's, it's a stretch of man's ability to do things that are better than he ever thought possible. Paul made a statement that we need to consider. I don't think I've ever read this at the Digital Cathedral, but I, I, I've, been, I've been thinking about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I asked a question on, on Facebook this week as I was pondering this because I was really interested to see what people thought. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 46. I, I, I don't think I've ever gotten into this verse with you here at the Di Digital Cathedral. One more page over. 1546 says this. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural is first, then the spiritual. First the natural, then the spiritual. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a verse that's worth uh, pondering. The natural stretching of limits and boundaries is just a preview of things that are beginning to transpire in the spiritual. The physical has been out in front. The spiritual 
out in front and changing and advancement. Spiritual has been behind. It's first the natural, then the spiritual. We're seeing unbelievable spiritual advances today. I mean, you and I have seen things and discovered things. We've come out of junk and out of garbage that has held us in check. We are flying faster spiritually than we've ever flown before. I've been pondering this week, and I put, I put the uh, question on Facebook, uh, is there any backward country that is really highly developed in the spiritual understanding that we are getting today? It doesn't, I, I, it doesn't seem to be so. It seems to be that as a country advances in science and understanding naturally, that spiritual understanding then also begins to open up. Now, as, as science progresses, and I'll tell you what, quantum physics is going to open up a lot. I, I'm not, a, I'm not an, uh, an opponent of quantum physics at all. I think there's tremendous kingdom truth in quantum physics, especially in the area of no separation. I won't get into that, but um, science is going to open up a lot for us spiritually. First the natural, then the spiritual. So in, in these dimensions of the natural, however, there are limitations, They'll never touch unlimited. They'll never touch unlimited. Now at some point, first the natural, then the spiritual. At some point, the spiritual is going to surpass the natural because the natural can never touch unlimited. We're slowly, we're slowly bridging the gap. All right, let's, re let's read something from being in two kingdoms. That's the point I'm trying to make with you. We, we're in two kingdoms at one time. And we recognize the advancement of science, but it's just a prelude to how fast spirit is also going to develop. And I want you to come back to Luke chapter 1. This is, this is everybody knows the story of uh, Mary and Jesus, but it really illustrates this. I like to use familiar stories when I'm breaking in truth, because you don't have to stop and think about the story. You can just look at the truth that's being presented. Luke chapter 1 and... Man, if I ever buy another Bible, I'm going to make sure that the pages turn easily. Pages in this new Bible of mine, this NASB, are really hard to turn. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Luke verse 1, chapter 1, verse 30. The angel said to Mary, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I tell you today, don't be afraid you found favor with God. We all have. Verse 31. Behold, you will conceive in your womb, bear a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. He'll be great and save his, he'll, he, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. The kingdom will have no end. Oh, I, I, I want to stop there so bad. Mary said to him, how can this be since I'm, since I'm a virgin? Right, now, so Mary's in two dimensions. She's been living in the natural. She said, how can this be? I'm still a virgin. She probably was 13, 14 years old. She's a very young girl. And the angel comes and speaks to her a word directly from another dimension. So all of a sudden now her consciousness is blown. It's elevated. So she, he begins to show her now the passageway. He's going to let her eyes open. Once her eyes are open, she can believe. But he's got to open her eyes first. Remember, that's what I've been teaching you this morning. Once the eyes are open, you can see. And when you see, you can believe. You, if you don't see it, you can't believe it. Believing is just an effortless response to what you see. So verse, he opens her eyes. Verse 35. Verse 35. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So all of a sudden, she's moving now from, an un, from a limited realm to an unlimited realm. She was held on. She said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. Uh, you know, I've never, never uh, had sexual relations. So the angel said, I'm going to tell you how. I'm going to move you to another place. So in verse 37, uh, the angel says, for nothing will be impossible with God. We read that before. So verse 38 she saw it, she heard it, and so she could agree to it. She could believe for it. And so she did in verse 38. Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed. As soon as the angel got agree, as soon as she saw it, 
As soon as she embraced it and grabbed it, the angel left. So what happened in verse 38? Mary saw it so she could believe it. She, her believing did not make her see it. First, she had to see it. She had to get the revelation. Then she agreed to it. And at that moment, when she believed it, Jesus was as good, good as born. It took nine months for it to manifest. And Mary, in verse 45, confirmed it. But she was living then in two dimensions at one time. She was living in a natural dimension with natural eyesight. She gets revelation and it changes everything. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were thrown into the fiery furnace, not just any fiery furnace, but one that was stoked up seven times hotter than what it normally was. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. They should have been cremated almost instantly. But instead, when the king looked into the furnace, he saw another dimension. He saw a fourth man in the, in the fiery furnace with them. The, the three boys all of a sudden had stepped beyond the natural. They were still, they were still flesh people, but they have all of a sudden now had stepped into an unlimited realm and they came out without the smell of smoke on them. The only thing that happened to them in the fiery furnace was the, was the, the cords, the, the ropes were burned off of them and they were absolutely set free. Listen, guys, with God, nothing is impossible. I think, I think if I were to give God a middle name, it would be unlimited because that's what he is. He's totally unlimited and he's setting up a people. I want to start finishing this up because I think I've made my point this morning. He's setting up a people, a company of sons and daughters that are in his image, maturing into his likeness. And he's not trying to do something. He's doing it. I mean, he's absolutely doing it. He's raising people that are beginning to see because of their intimate walking in the cool of the evening with the Father, knowledge and revelation are opening up. They're beginning to see it. They're beginning to understand that there is no limit to their ability because there's no limit to the ability of the one that they're connected to. There's no, there's no limit to his pre-planned vision that you and I walk in. Many, many have believed his word uh, but haven't really seen it because they haven't really believed it. Now, with Mary, Mary believed his word, and to her, that was impossible. But because of what was spoken to her, it all of a sudden became possible. Now, she didn't get that in the Bible. She didn't read that in the Bible. She didn't get it from a book. It came because God broke through the natural and spoke to her directly. When you walk with him in the cool of the evening, he will speak to you directly, like he did Moses, Abraham, David, Paul, Jesus, you name it. It doesn't, Joseph, I could go on and on. Those that, those that really got it were those that he spoke to directly. And I think sometimes we think God didn't speak to us directly. You walk with him in the cool of the evening. You sit out on your back patio, turn the TV off, the radio off, clear your mind, put yourself in neutral gear, and just listen, and he will speak to you, I guarantee you. And when he speaks to you, if you wanna meditate, meditate on your oneness with him. Meditate, don't, don't think about any separation that you perceive, think about the oneness. John 14, 20 is the heart of the gospel, the heart of the message. If there's a verse you want to meditate on, make it John chapter 14 and 20. And when God speaks a word to you, I'm telling you what, all bets are off. All bets are off. When he speaks a word to you, he can bring it to pass through you, who will also be walking in an unlimited dimension as much as Mary, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as Joseph was, as Moses was, as Paul was. This, this is what's happening today. Think of it a people covering the earth. Think about coming to the digital cathedral on Sunday morning, and all of us can type in comments of everything that happened that week that was out of an unlimited dimension that we heard, we saw, we believed, and we demonstrated. Ooh, that's a good, for, that's a good progression right there. I need to come back and listen to that. I, I hadn't thought about that. The son, the son Jesus laid out the pattern for all of us. It was demonstrated in Jesus. And if Jesus wasn't fibbing, Jesus wasn't lying to us, he said, the things that I do, you're gonna do. Now watch how he brings us into unlimited and brings you into it. 
He said, not only will you do what I did, he said, you will do greater things than I did. How, how, how did he do that? How did he do what he do? How did he do what he do? John 3.34 says that he received the spirit without measure. That's what enabled him. You have the same spirit without measure that Jesus had. How, I mean, how much spirit do you have? Do you have 20% spirit? You have all spirit. If you don't think you have the same spirit and measure of Jesus, it's because you haven't seen it yet. Once you see it, you'll believe it. And what you see, you're going to understand that you've always possessed. I mean, he wasn't pulling our leg. He said what he did, we'll do, and greater things than this. So let's at least begin to think that way. Can we do that this week? Just begin to think unlimited. Begin to think beyond normal boundary. Begin to think beyond natural boundaries. Just begin to, to perceive with different eyes the possibility. And I'm not telling you to try to gin it up within yourself. I'm telling you, as you think on him, as you spend time with him, and I like that walk in the cool of the evening because I, I, love, I love the evenings. I love to sit on my back, back porch, overlook the backyard and everything that's back there, and just think, and just ponder, and just leave my spirit open and let him talk to me. That's how I get what I bring to you at the Digital Cathedral. I keep a notepad out there and I write notes down because I know when I get back inside, I will forget it. I keep a notepad by the bed because I wake up with ideas and I scratch them down. And I used to think, I'll write that down in the morning. Comes morning, I totally forgot. I had no clue what I was thinking. So let's begin to think unlimited. With men, it's impossible. But we have moved into an awareness that puts us into another dimension, into another consciousness where we're walking in two realms at one time. Now next week, I'm going to carry this a little bit further. This week, I was, I was pretty basic with you. I know I probably pushed your button in several areas. Next week, I want to talk to you about how to stay in, in total contact with the unlimited supply. Then week three, I'm going to push out in the deep and I'm going to mess with you. I'm going to mess with you in week three. But just stick with me in weeks one and two. We're putting foundation down. Week three, I want to mess with you. And then from there, I don't know where we go, but it's going to be good. Hey, guys, love you. Thank you for being with me. Check me on Wednesday night. If you're not a member of Don Keithley Ministry page, make sure you go over and join so that you can be part of Wednesday night live, 8 o'clock Central Time, Don Keithley Ministry Facebook page. Other than that, we'll see you next Sunday morning at the Digital Cathedral. Same time, same place. God bless you. Have an unlimited week. And let's not forget to pray for one another. Can we do that? All right, we'll see you next time.